Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Thank you for joining us today again on the program and for taking the time out to spend with us each day. Uh, set your DVRs, tell your friends about us if you're enjoying what we're hearing. I, I realize we are plowing new ground. But I just hear the Spirit saying, break up the fallow ground. It's time to, you know, if nothing else, you know, I, I personally even listen to stuff that's diametrically opposed to what I believe just to check my thinking on some of these things. And like I say, this was the stuff that I'm teaching from the book of Revelation was not what I first learned um, when I was going to church. I appreciate my history and where I came from, but I begin to realize there's got to be something more to this. And for me, uh, this has been a lifelong quest to understand some things. So I've studied every view there is of the book of Revelation. I'm not saying that I've got all the corner on the truth because I never ceases to amaze me uh, the people I come across that uh, have added to me. Just recently I, I met a dear lady in uh, Shawnee, Oklahoma who uh, shared a book she'd written, and uh, man, just some powerful things that she uh, had written in this book, and I had the opportunity to spend an hour or two with her on a Sunday afternoon, and oh, how she added to me some things, and so, uh, you know, I, I, that, that's incredible. And so, but we're always learning, and we're always, you know, trying to uh, adjust and tweak, and of course, it's such a vast subject when you get into the book of Revelation, it's impossible to exhaust it. But I want to just encourage you that if you've missed any of this, because I know we're 80-some programs into it. We're jumping right smack dab in the middle if this is the first time you've ever heard us. But you can go back to YouTube and watch all of our prior programs and uh, catch up to what we're saying. You can also go back to iTunes and download the audio version, or you can go to our website, and the RSS feed is there for your Android-type device to get it. Um, you can order our books as well uh, online, Revelation, Beauty and the Beast. Those books are available, and they've got some things in them that I think will give you material to set right in front of you. I want to come back again, though, uh, to the book of Revelation. And we are in the 14th chapter, and uh, we've, we've shared two segments already, and we've only gotten out of the first verse. I'd like to get a little further today. But chapter uh, 14, verse 1 says, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion, with him 144,000, having their father's name written in their foreheads. And we simply shared with you how that... This lamb on Mount Zion is in contrast to the fact that he's not on Mount Sinai. This is moving from law to grace, from old covenant to new covenant, and we covered that pretty powerfully, I think, in the last segment. Uh, with him, 144,000, which is multiples of 12, 12,000, which to me, again, is a picture of the same group of people in uh, Re uh, Revelation chapter 7, where there was 12,000 sealed from every tribe, nation, tongue, and kindred, there's 144,000 total. Except that Revelation 14 makes it clearer that these are not just natural Jews. They are the first fruits unto God out of every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. They are the new Israel of God, the new Jerusalem of God. They are the people who have their father's name written in their foreheads in contrast to they do not have the mark of the beast, they have the seal of the living God in their foreheads. And the key is they follow the lamb wherever he goes. That's key of being part of this. The very next verse says, And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder, and I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. 
And they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth. Now, the thing I want to put an emphasis on today is, uh, first of all, they have the voice of many waters. Uh, if you remember, if you go back to the book of Revelation chapter 1, in the very first chapter, in the multifaceted description of the one who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, it says that his voice was like the voice of many waters. In other words, I could say that this, is, this voice that's flowing is a corporate voice. It's a corporate message. What I'm so thrilled about, you know, I so appreciate when I see, uh, you know, uh, and, and I hope they wouldn't mind if I mention, but when I see men of God like Joseph Prince, I see men of God like Creflo Dollar, I see other, others on uh, these channels preaching the gospel of grace, preaching the new covenant, and uh, saying the things that they're saying. What I begin to realize is that this thing is so massive, but it's not just them, it's preachers and people that are part of the body of Christ all over the world that are now sharing and talking about this wonderful new covenant and this grace of God, and out of their belly there's a river flowing. So when I hear the voice of many waters, I hear the Lord saying it is coming from so many directions because as we share uh, the things that God, as we get in the same river uh, and our voice lines up with His voice, and we realize that this is about a revelation of Jesus, even the whole book of Revelation, and I've said this before, but I'm going to reiterate it today. This, this, this book of Revelation is primarily a revelation of Jesus Christ and that God gave to Him. And so He's removing the things that are not connected to the revelation of Jesus, and He is giving birth to the new covenant and to uh, the new Zion of God. And to this people that are with Him, their voice is like the voice of many waters and uh, as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sang a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders, and no man could learn that song but the 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth. Now, if you remember, uh, when I, the moment I hear they sang a new song, I'm reminded of the fifth chapter of Revelation. The fifth chapter of Revelation, verse number nine says, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nations, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. I think that's powerful. Because it says no man could learn that song but the 144,000. So what the song they're singing, look at this, in contrast to Revelation, the fifth chapter, verse 9 through 10, is that he is opening this little book. I believe the little book is the new covenant. I believe the little book uh, is the same one that the angel of God in chapter 10 tells John, take this book and eat it. It's going to be sweet in your mouth, bit in your stomach. With the birthing of this new covenant and the seals that are open, there are both blessings for those who receive that, and then what follows in the book of Revelation also are cursings uh, to those who want to remain under an old covenant paradigm. 
Uh, one of the things I'm going to show you as we go down through this 14th chapter of the book of Revelation, there's a harvest paradigm here. And there's a two-dimensional thing that I want to share is that it is a good thing for those who are the true wheat because they'll be brought into the barn. But it is a bad thing for those who are the tares of the field because they will be burnt with an unquenchable fire. And like Joel prophesied, the day of the Lord is both great and terrible. For the believer, it's great. And for the unbeliever, it's terrible. But one of the things he's saying here is they sang a new song. What was the song they sang? It wasn't just the newest message that was written. They were singing the new song of the new covenant, which is what was coming from the little book that was opened. And here's what they were saying. Thou hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every nation and kindred and tongue. And remember, this 144,000 are sealed out of every nation, kindred, and tongue. And they're sealed by the blood of Jesus. They're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. They're sealed with the mind of Christ. Uh, they just have the seal of God on their lives. And they are not only redeemed, but thou hast made us kings and priests unto our God. And they, look, this is, this is powerful. Verse 10, Revelation 5, verse 10. I'm going to read it straight there from it. And has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Not when we get to heaven some glad morning, but we shall reign on the earth. That is, you know, one of the things that I believe my passion is in this teaching is to produce a victorious eschatology that brings the church back to its central focus, and that is to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these other things will be added to you. But to see the whole earth filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Because if you remember last week, I told you Psalm 2, he said, ask of me and I will give you the heathen for your inheritance and the uttermost part of the earth for your possession. That was a powerful messianic scripture when he said, yet have I set my king upon my holy hill, Mount Zion. That's Jesus presently reigning through the new covenant. But what we need to understand is that his vehicle in the earth is the church empowered to do great things. Now, when I think about the new song, even when I think about things like the prophet Isaiah said, behold, I do a new thing. Now shall it break forth. You know, we, 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 we threw that scripture out to make it every time we have a revival, we come up with something we think is new that, you know, it's a new thing. But what the, the, only, the one new thing that God has done is the new covenant. Everything about it is new. With the new covenant comes new tongues, a new heart, a new Jerusalem, a new temple, a new Israel, uh, you know, a new creation, uh, mercies that are new every morning. All of that is related to this new song. That's the song they're singing. And then I love how the book of Revelation in chapter 21 says this. It says, behold, I make all things new. And then he says, write this down because these words are true and they are faithful. I am so thankful to be part of this song. I, I, am, I am so thankful to the Lord that I'm not singing the old song of doom and despair. I'm thankful I did not hang my harp on a willow tree. If you're hanging your harp on a willow tree singing the song of the blues, your worldview is negative and all you can see is bad and doom and despair and agony on me. Maybe you're like the prophet that hung his harp on a willow tree. You are sitting by the rivers of Babylon, which is religious confusion. But I, I admonish you to hear the song that heaven is singing because heaven is singing 
a new song. And it is becoming the voice of many waters. And this new song, uh, hallelujah, is the song of redemption. It is saying to believers from Revelation 5 on, to, re to believers who are alive and well right now, that these things that are happening in the book of Revelation are not coming catastrophes for the believer. They are singing uh, before any of these plagues, judgments, or anything are poured out. You have redeemed us to God by thy blood. And can I tell you that all of these that have called out of even the city of Jerusalem that knew the prophecy of Jesus, when you see Jerusalem encompassed with armies, you better get out of Dodge, so to speak. They fled and to Pella and to different places. And what happened was God preserved and renewed and kept uh, this first fruit, if you will. This is a first fruits unto God. They are the wave of the sheath. I'll get to that a little bit later. But uh, it goes on to say that they sang this new song. I want to go to Psalm 149. Now, I did a series back some time ago called uh, Execute the Will that is available on our website uh, with this whole series. I did four CDs just on this psalm. But I want to read to you Psalm 149. It said, Praise you the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song, and His praise in the congregation of saints. Let Israel rejoice in Him that made Him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their King. Let them praise His name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto Him with the tremble and the harp. Does that sound like Revelation 14? It sure does to me, because they're on Mount Zion. They've got harps of God. They're singing a new song. And here's Psalm 149 declaring, singing to the Lord a new song, let his praise the congregation. Let the children of Zion, not the children of Sinai, but the children of Zion, be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them praise, sing praises unto him with the temporal harp. I, I, I tell you, I get so excited about this, man. I, I, you know, I love preaching the new covenant because it's finally good news. But I tell you what, it just almost makes me want to rear back and just worship God. As I think about how good God is and what we've been delivered from. And we've been, you know, not just delivered from the world, but we've been delivered from the bondage of a relig religious system and the tyranny of uh, uh, the faded tyranny of the brutal at the hands of sin and death, the covenant of sin, sin and death. I I'm thankful that we can sing a new song. And can I tell you? Man, I love to say, I can remember when we used to sing songs, man, that was like just a few more weary days and then. Next verse, or next song will be, In the Sweet By and By. Next song, Won't It Be Wonderful Then. Next song, One More Valley, One More, if, if, if you weren't discouraged by the time you got to the first four songs, you're a better man than I am. But now we're singing songs of the finished work. Now we're singing, I believe, songs that are really coming from uh, the altar of incense. And the altar of incense, fire was ignited from the sacrifice of the brazen altar. Can I say it like this? Our praise and our worship has to be ignited by the finished work of what Jesus did in his sacrificial death, burial, and resurrection. And what I love is that the music that's coming out of us, and we've got all kinds of folks right now that are writing some very powerful songs from even what we're preaching and teaching. And I love the songs that are coming because they truly are songs of Zion. We have taken our harp down off the willow tree and we are like, the Bible said, uh, when, uh, uh, when they returned, they were like them that dreamed. Then was our mouth filled with laughter. Then said they among the heathen, God has done great things for them. See, I believe that there's something attractive about the song we sing, the message we sing, 
Uh, I believe it will attract the world rather than repulse them because it is a message that, 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 that declares the love and the grace and the mercy of God that includes every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. Oh, we're living in a great day, and I'm thankful for that. But it goes on to say, for the Lord takes pleasure in His people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. There's several key words here. One of the things he says in this verse is the Lord will take pleasure in his people. He'll beautify the meek with salvation. If you go into uh, Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus declares in the Beatitudes, he said, the meek will inherit the earth. Hallelujah. So one of the things he gives the meek, you know, uh, is he, uh, you know, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. I heard somebody say one time, well, I don't know what that means. The meek will inherit the earth. Well, here's what it means. It means the meek will inherit the earth. The earth is part of your inheritance. He just declared it in Psalm 2. Ask me, I'll give you the heathen for your inheritance, the uttermost part of the earth, for your possession. God is not giving up on anything. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The earth and all they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Psalm 24. The earth belongs to Mr. and Mrs. Jesus Christ. And we are the meek, and he will, the meek, he will satisfy the meek with salvation, and they will inherit the earth. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Again, this is a powerful icon, their beds of rest. When I think about Hebrews, the fourth chapter, it talks about, for the word of God is quick, it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. It's a discerner of the thought and the intent of the heart. When I think about a bed, I think about, I think about rest. I love that. Hallelujah. And not only do I think about the place of rest, but I think about the place of reproduction. In the Song of Solomon, the woman in the Song of Solomon uh, says this. She says, Behold, our bed is green. Uh, I could say it like this. Green is the color of life, but it's also in Revelation, the fourth chapter, I saw a rainbow around the throne in sight like unto an emerald. So this rainbow around the throne in Revelation 4 is green. It's like an emerald. When I think about a rainbow, I think about a covenant. So when I think about a covenant, I think about the marriage bed. So if we, our bed is green, uh, what she's saying in the Song of Solomon is, I'm in a new covenant, and the new covenant is my marriage certificate. What we're going to see here in just a little while is that these are virgins. These are not defiled with women. They are uh, the pure that are, uh, it's powerful to me. I, I just hope you can see what I'm saying. But, but when I think about our bed is green, it is the place of rest. It is the place of reproduction. It is the place of the new covenant. It is the place where there's a rainbow round about the throne to an emerald. I also believe, if I'm correct, that the emerald is the stone of Judah on the breastplate, and the stone of Judah speaks of worship. So they're singing a new song, and worship is flowing. I also can't help but think when I think about uh, the bed being green, I can't help but date what David said in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. He's my pastor. And since he is, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Green pastures. What's he do there? He restores my soul. 
And then he leads me into the path of righteousness for his namesake. And then he leads me through the valley of the shadow of death where I fear no evil. And all of my enemies that are about me, God prepares a table before me right in the presence of my enemies, right in green pastures. I need to keep moving or I won't get through this. Uh, so uh, everything about this Psalm 149 and this new song they're singing, everything about it is screaming new covenant. Uh, verse 6 says, let the high praises of God, Psalm 149, verse 6, let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. Now, when I see a two-edged sword, again, my mind goes back to Hebrews 4. And once again, the context of Hebrews 4 is, for the word of God is quick, sharp, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. And if you remember in the book of Revelation, there's a sharp two-edged sword coming out of the mouth of Jesus in chapter 1, and you see him using this same sword that comes out of his mouth later in the book of Revelation to destroy the beast, his armies, and his enemies. Can I tell you, there is a two-edged sword in our mouth. There is a message that's coming from the posture of rest and peace and the new covenant that has the power to, first of all, uh, to, thought, to discern the thought and the intent of the heart, and then to bring about the change that's necessary once the heart is revealed, because then you can come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy. And then verse 7 says in Psalm 149, to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. That's exactly what God is prophesying here to the enemies of the cross and to the enemies of the gospel and to the enemies of the Lamb in the book of Revelation. But he's saying this honor have all of his saints. And if you remember right, I told you back in the book of Daniel where he said in the time came, you know, there was a season when it was given to the beast to wear out the saints of the Most High until times, times, and half a times after that three and a half year period that then the saints... The time came that the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven will be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. It is our honor as saints of the Most High God to execute judgment upon every principality, every power, every king, every high thing that lifts itself against the knowledge of God, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment written, this honor have all his saints praise you, the Lord. And so what I begin to realize is that everything about this uh, psalm is executing a judgment that was already written. When I first began to teach uh, this, uh, an attorney told me, he said, listen, he said, judgment is not always a bad thing. It depends on which side of the judgment you're on. And like I told you before, the day of the Lord is twofold. It's a day of darkness, but it's also a day like the morning spread on the mountains. But on the side that we're on, we get the, uh, you know, in other words, if you want a court of law and you, you, you want a case and the judge drops the gavel and he said the judgment is in favor of you, then that's a good thing. And my attorney said, do you know what, what it means when he says the judgment is in your favor? I said, what? He said, it means absolutely nothing if you don't execute the judgment written. Uh, and all of a sudden, I begin to realize that there's a whole lot of stuff that has been provided to us by grace that we access by faith. So the judgment and the finished work and the done deal has been handed to us as a judgment that's not in our future. Jesus said in John 12, now is the judgment of this world come. Now is the prince of this world judge. And if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. This spake he concerning what death he would die. There is a lot that is handed to us in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Healing, prosperity, 
blessing, favor. But the, pro, but the scripture talks about in the New Testament, we access this grace by faith. If we preach all grace and no faith, we're going to get lazy, couch potato, greasy. We're going to preach freedom from law, but we're not going to tell you what replace that's the kingdom of God. We're going to get out of balance. And if we preach all faith without preaching grace, we're going to get into formulas and works and labors, shoulda, coulda, woulda, shoulda tried harder. And see, I'm convinced that truth is like the cross. It hangs somewhere in the middle. If you get too far to the left or too far to the right, it's a thief. So uh, if you get too extreme in Calvinism, it's a thief. If you get too far uh, to the right in Arminianism or, or in free will, uh, it, it gets out of balance. Both of them must be held in a careful tension because it is both the way of grace and the walk of faith. So let me compare uh, two things. Let me compare Revelation 14, 1 through 5 with Revelation 5, 6 through 11. In Revelation 14, 1 through 5, they have the voice that was like harps. In Revelation chapter 5, 6 through 11, the elders each had a harp. In Revelation 14, they sang a new song. And in Revelation 5, 6 through 11, they sang a new song. In chapter 14 of Revelation, they're redeemed from among men as the firstfruits. And in Revelation chapter 5, the Lamb purchased us from every nation, kindred, and tongue. And uh, we're going to get into the next segment where we talk about they are virgins. But I just want to tell you that we are, what's happening here is that this company on Mount Zion are the company that's executing what well, Psalm 149 says, this honor have all of his saints to execute the judgment written. I believe is an ongoing force in the earth. God's people there's such a need for the church to hear what I'm sharing because I believe emerging out of, uh, you know, some of the camps that I'm seeing that uh, 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 there's a great restoration of the power of God and the miraculous and healings and deliverance and ministry. And it's really coming not from glow-in-the-dark preachers. It's coming from God's saints, God's people who are like the voice of many waters. I believe it's a corporate expression of God that God wants to express through His people in the earth that have the power to turn things around and to reap everything Jesus, or, or to enjoy everything Jesus paid for in His redemptive work. Uh, this honor have all of His saints. Let us continue. See, Satan being bound later in the book of Revelation, Jesus already bound him, but this honor have all of His saints to keep their kings and their chains bound. And it is truth that binds them. We're out of time. Uh, take a moment to call that number on the screen or go to our website and uh, give something into the ministry that will enable us to take the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of grace around the globe. We are touching a lot of people through the media of television and YouTube, and your gifts are what enables us to do that. Why don't you sit down and do that today? We do need your help. God bless you. Thanks. Keep us in your prayers is our, our prayer today. For anyone struggling to understand John's writings in Revelation, this book provides true, biblically-based answers. Through detailed insights into the letters John wrote to the seven churches of his day, you will learn how to avoid the mistakes of the early church to overcome today's trials and tribulations. This book will provoke you to thought and dialogue, bringing greater clarity and revelation of Jesus Christ.